Welcome back to the Lipstick and Cowboy Boots podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Hausauer. We just got off a hot weekend at the American Rodeo in Arlington, Texas. We had a Canadian Saddle Bronc rider win the $100,000. That was Dawson Hay. That was a really nice ride that he made. In the breakaway roping, it was none other than Jackie Crawford. The bareback riding was Tilden Hooper. He's a back-to-back champ and on the same horse both years, just a half a point difference. In the tie-down roping, it was Caleb Smith. He gave a really emotional um, little speech after, and I even was tearing up a little bit listening to it. It was awesome. Uh, In the steer wrestling, it was Jesse Brown on Canadian uh, Steer Wrestling Horse of the Year, Tyson. And also in the barrel racing, of course, Miss Shelly Morgan on her great mare kiss. And team roping, Andrew Ward and Buddy Hawkins, again, both taking home $100,000. And in the bull riding, it was Keiki Pacheco taking home the $2.1 million because he was a contender and not an invited bull rider. It was so awesome to see someone go home with it. I was really hoping, of course, one of the Canadian barrel racers were going to do it. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. It was fun watching It's my favorite rodeo, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we have on the podcast a repeat guest, Miss Kiara Forsythe of Equus Physio. Kiara, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Yeah. So today, we're going to talk about five ways to take off time off the clock. But before we get into that, I just want to check in with you and see how you're doing, how your horses are doing and what's been going on in your world. You know what, when people have been asking me how I'm doing, I'm honestly been saying I'm living the dream. I don't fully know what that dream is. But uh, I feel like everything's going really well here at Equus and my life personally. So I don't I don't have any complaints, which that's awesome. Um, Horses. I honestly feel like have way too many at the moment and I'm proud to say that I'm not the one with the buying problem but my other half is and it's <laughs> never usually that way but uh, yeah we have a few horses at home and what else can I say about that Ronnie I have a I think a pretty special horse that I bought off Kennedy Smith I feel very lucky to have her and lots of things I'm learning because I feel that every discipline, every discipline that you ride, you learn different things and you take different tools into your toolbox. So this mare has taught me a lot. Um, Even though I haven't been to very many runs, I feel like I'm officially a bell racer when you look at my shins. (laughs) So hopefully that doesn't trend doesn't continue this summer. Um, But yeah, so her and then have a couple four-year-olds that just came back from Randa Nugent they're going to have a little bit of time off here and then hopefully send them back to her and we'll see what comes out of that. Um, I'm a firm believer that you kind of ride the horse to the best of their ability and what they're fit for. So if neither of those end up being a barrel horse, that's okay, but something that they will excel at. So that's my goals there. Yeah. I'm glad that you made that point that, you know, not necessarily every horse is going to be whatever it's discipline that you think it's going to be. I think a lot of times like, someone will buy a barrel horse, a barrel horse. And maybe at the end of the day, that horse just doesn't want to be a barrel horse, but the person that keeps buying it doesn't want to be the one to finally say, okay, I spent X number of dollars. I'm going to let them go for a little bit less at something else because no one wants to lose the money. But I just think that sometimes we have to look out for a horse's best interest. And if they're just not a barrel horse, that's okay. Anyway, so let's get into this five ways to take time off the clock. I'm going to, I'm going to give the floor to you. Thanks, Cassie. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I feel like, so one, we've been doing so many clinics with barrel racers. And I think one of the reasons why we are actually seeing such success with these riding clinics is that the little changes that we can make in the rider and or the horse, but mostly the rider, we instantly see the change in the results. And truly, it's about who can clock the fastest, right? And as you saw at the American, it's one one hundredth of a second that can be the difference between a check and not a check. So these little things that I'm going to go over, they might be really minor details when you're looking at the whole picture. But because barrel racing is such a finesse sport, like truly, I feel like it's dressage on speed. So if you don't have all of the your all of your body mechanics in place and your strength in place equal on your right and your left and your front and your back, then you're really going to be taking time away from your horse. And they're the ones that are going to be trying to make up for our asymmetries. So that takes us to number one, which is symmetry. So number one, we feel that you need to have symmetry and a neutral pelvis. So that is from the front and the back. And actually, I'm going to grab my trusty pelvis right now. <laughs> so lots of us as so pelvis, okay? So lots of us as riders, we actually end up riding a little bit more tilted in forward. We get this sway back, kind of like, you know, that 24-year-old quarter horse that's kicking outside in the pen. Um, this sway back because our hip flexors are tight in the front. We have weakness in our hamstrings in the back and weakness in our glutes. So. If we are riding kind of lordotic like this, so I'm going to change my screen a little bit, like this in the saddle, where does that put most of my weight? Puts more of my weight onto my horse's forehand and nothing onto their engine, which is truly their hind end. So we want to find a neutral pelvis and tilt backwards. So not here, but here. So one of the ways to find this is to put your hands onto your ASIS. So that's my nerd, my nerd word for the day, ASIS in the front and on your the back of your glutes at the back. And I want you to pelvic tilt forward and pelvic tilt back. So forward, back. So the kind of cue I normally say here is if you're a guy, I want you to try and pee low on the tree. And then I want you to pee high on the tree, okay? And then I want you to find that middle point between the two of those spots. And that's going to find that equal. So you should have equal amount of distance going forward and going back and then be in that middle point. This is going to make sure that you have equal weight in front of you and behind you. And so you're sitting up straight. One key thing to remember is that it should only be your lower body that is moving, not your upper body. So I don't want you doing this exercise going like this, but instead it's just the pelvis moving. Okay. So that's number one, forward, equal forward and equal back. And again, that's to make sure that your horse is able to drive from their hind end. Your seat is down in that saddle and you're their engine, which also equates to their glutes in the back. So that's number one. Number two is symmetry side to side. So lots of us Without even knowing, because our horses are so good at overcompensating for our asymmetries or things we're not equal in, is that our pelvis isn't truly like this. It might be like this. And that might not seem like a lot, but if you're ever in the warm up pen and you see someone and their spine isn't in line with the middle of the saddle, in the middle of that pad, and with the dorsal stripe of your horse, 
you know that you are going to be putting more weight A into one of your stirrups. You might be gripping more. So it's not keeping you in line and you're not, you're really taking away from your horse because they're having to balance you out. Um, and so some key things that you might find there is, hey, I find it only can run a horse to the right hand side because my two left barrels are better. Or I'm always hitting the same barrel. My horse is always dropping their shoulder or maybe even like swinging their hind end out on a, on a barrel or out the backside. And that truly might be because you are not symmetrical in that saddle. So what I would like you to do here is take your fingertips and you're going to put it right underneath your rib cage. My top's kind of, my pants are high, so it looks like it's not my ribs, but top of my rib cage is my thumb. My fingertip is going to go onto my ASIS again, so are my model hip bones. Okay, so what I want you to do, and I'm going to make myself unbalanced here. Once I find those two spots, I'm going to bring my hands in closer. Now look, my right hand side was smaller than my left. Okay, so what I need you to do is kind of shift in that seat until I have equal on the right and equal on the left. So when I bring my fingertips together, they should be equal. Okay. That also means that in your saddle, so another thing you can kind of look for is when you take your saddle off, if you have two little divots in your seat, those little divots from your sits bones, your shell tuberosity, so your bum bones, right underneath your gluteal fold, where that pressure is, they should be equal on the right and the left. Okay. If they're not equal, then most likely you are not sitting symmetrical in your saddle. And again, poor Sally, who you're riding, is having to make up for your your deficiencies. So quite often what this is, is we can get obliques that are really, really tight on the sides or our quadratus lumborum. Side note again, that's like one of my favorite muscles because it sounds really cool. Quadratus lumborum. They can be really tight on the side here. So one stretch I'm going to recommend. So other than just I know I'm funny, right, Cassie? So <laughs> other than, so you can, you need to move your pelvis side to side to make sure that it's equal. And this is, that's something you can do. So if you do your 20 meter circles one way, find your neutral pelvis forward, backward, and then find your neutral pelvis side to side. Do that check-in multiple times when you're riding, not just at the very beginning and not just the very end. And you can even do it at the walk, okay? Or if you're doing a nice little jog, cool down and keep on setting yourself back into that. Um, the other thing with that is the more that you can set yourself up in a neutral pelvis, which is those two things together, when you're not in the saddle, it's going to make more of a benefit for when you're in the saddle. Yes, some of us ride six, seven horses in a day, but what are you doing for those other 12 hours, 18 hours? So if you're always, you know, if you're always sitting, sitting watching Netflix like this, well, you can guess that this side is going to be more bunged up and this one's going to be longer. So little things like sit on the couch square, okay? How are you driving your car? Are you always leaning on the side? Make sure you're upright. And honestly, this one might sound funny, but so important how you get up off or how do you sit on the toilet seat and how do you get up off the toilet seat? That is truly when you're going to know if you're symmetrical or not. Like, are you always leaning to one side? Like, does one glute be over the toilet seat versus the other? I know it might seem funny, but next time you're, like, sitting on the throne, look at how you're sitting. And I guarantee how you're sitting there is going to be how you're sitting on your horse as well. 
So those little things throughout the day, honestly, are going to make a huge impact on your ride and making you faster. Um, sorry, I'm so passionate about my job. So I find I just like ramble off. Because um, if I can help anybody, like that is why I do my job. So I apologize if I'm just kind of rambling. Um, but on number two, so another one, just not that neutral pelvis. I want you to do a little bit of an oblique stretch for me. So really, my head's cut off, but literally just bringing an arm up, an arm up, and just and kind of leaning to the side. So not just leaning, but I'm going to push my hip out to the side, and then I should feel a nice stretch here, okay? The biggest thing that people do with this one is they just like collapse to the side, and I'm like going, so I'm hypermobile myself, so I just kind of collapse to the side when really I should feel a nice stretch, and then this arm's going to reach up and over, so I should kind of feel it from my bra line down to my ASIS again. Do you feel it there, Kathy? Okay. Perfect. And what is it? So my left side, I know, is way tighter. So I'm going to feel it on this side more. And again, push that hip over. So it's really important, because more and more research is coming up about fascial stretching, is to do the stretch with intention. So really putting, trying to push into it, not just collapsing into our joints. Okay. So when I collapse the side, I don't really feel anything because then I'm hinging on my joints. But if I reach kind of up and over and literally put power through my fingertips, then I'm going to get it more down this side. Okay, so that would be number two. It really gives you three exercises already. Okay, this is a huge thing. So this is number three, and I'm hitting symmetry again. But really, it's from top to bottom and contralateral, which means one side versus the other side. So something we're really seeing in our riding clinics is that the bodies are so good at cheating and making us do what we want it to do, but it might not be in a symmetrical fashion. So what we're really seeing is a shoulder come forward and then a hip. So if I was riding my horse here, this shoulder might come forward, but it's because I'm trying to compensate for the other side. And the reason why that is, is that our fascial slings, um, I don't want to get too much into fascia, but fascia would be similar to having a sausage and you have that like tubing casing around it. And those tubing casings truly need to be able to glide amongst one another. But it's kind of like if you ever pull out a really long hair from your sweater and it's all intertwined, that's kind of what happens with fascia is that it is no longer able to have those sausages <laughs> gliding nicely across one another, but they get kind of stuck. So our fascial slings actually run contralateral. So my right shoulder to my left hip, my left shoulder to my right hip. So what we find is that if someone's tight on this right side, we might bring that shoulder forward. And then you might have a coach that says, hey, bring that shoulder back, but you can't bring that shoulder back because it actually has to do with your other, your glute. This can get a little bit more complicated, but really what we want to make sure is that our upper body is truly mirroring what our lower body is doing. Um, and you're not using your shoulders or your th thorax, which is really kind of bra line to top of my pants, that is really in line like a Lego block like my lower body. So this I think is super important because we need to be, a, as barrel racers, we need to not only be able to look to where we're going, but we need to be able to move this thorax, okay, 
to be able to get around that barrel. And then we need to be able to move it the same on the right and the left hand side. So something I'm super blocked on this left hand side because my right glute is not firing. So I find that I'm a little bit more forward. My shoulder actually, sometimes if I'm riding something a little bit more intense, the shoulder can also hurt. And it's because I'm trying to overcompensate from my lower half. But also when I go to do a thoracic rotation, I don't have as much movement. So super easy. We're sitting on our stool or your seat or whatever. So I find that neutral pelvis. We go forward to back again. And then side to side, making sure that that's equal, okay? So I should have equal pressure on my two sits bones and my pubic bone sitting on that nice little triangle, okay? So what I want to do is I have this beautiful sunset on the inside of my palm, and I want to follow that palm. So I'm going to follow my right one. My left one's going to sit out front, and I'm going to follow that hand. And I go right until I feel it in my mid-thorax that I can't go any further, and then I'm going to go to my left hand side. Then my left, I can go so much further. So my horse that I have right now, I run to the left. My left barrel, I'm having no troubles with. My right, I'm having a lot. Again, it's because that glute's not firing. I'm not sitting 100% symmetrical in that saddle. And truly, I'm not able to rotate. So super easy for me to be able to do this and just go into that joint. But if I make intention into it and I try to move from this point here, so right under my rib cage or from my rib cage. So when I squeeze that shoulder blade onto my ribs, I truly only can go 90 degrees. And then I feel like it blocks me, okay? And this is another good one to do on your horse as well, okay? So also when you're sitting on that horse, like my lower body should be staying still. I shouldn't, if I'm going around side to side, then we know that we're getting that movement from here and not from here. Okay, so that's number three. Number four, Jane Fonda, buns of steel. I I feel like I used to make fun of my mom's workout videos where they had like the sweatbands and like the spandex on. But honestly, if you can find any of those Jane Fonda workout videos, pull them out, like get the VCR out. They were so good for glute strength and glutes are our horse's motor we need to be able to fire those and we need to fire them a together or independently in order to get their motor really going so i'm going to challenge you right now i'm sorry i need like a bigger camera okay you're going to sit on your hands just like this you're really gonna sit on your bum cheeks okay so truly i'm sitting on my butt cheeks now I, number one, want you to be able to squeeze both of them. And the reason why I get you to sit on your hands is because you need to be able to feel that those glutes are firing so that you're able to engage them. Okay. Now, also make sure that your hamstrings, so on the bottom side of your pants, those aren't engaging, but it's just your glutes. Also make sure that your quads aren't engaging, but again, just your glutes. So if you feel like you have both of those going, Perfect. Okay. Now I'm going to challenge you. Do one on the right. Do one on the left. One on the right. One on the left. Okay. And they should be equal strength. Okay. I was those going faces good for you there, Cassie, or what? Do it. I had to make a face to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like Kegels. 
you should be able to look at somebody and have a conversation and they have no idea that you're you're working on your glute exercises at the same time. I actually practice this one all the time in the grocery store. Like when Save One Foods has a really long lineup, I'm hanging out with my grocery cart and I'm like, one bum cheek, the other bum cheek, one bum cheek, the other bum cheek. Because what a better time <laughs> to like get your exercises done. And honestly, you also can go into your, like your little mini squat like you're on your horse and you do one, you do the other. You do the one, you do the other. That's the next level. But that's also something you can do. So truly, if you are not able to engage those glutes, like, so please think that this is coming from a physio's perspective. But when you're coming on the backside of that barrel, you need to be able to squeeze those glutes to push down into that seat to propel your horse forward, right? Um, again, our glutes are our, is our speed, is their motor. So if you're not not able to do that I think we're losing a little bit of speed at that time the other thing is um so I just had this story random but I just had a very quick lesson on a Grand Prix horse and it was like I learned how to ride for the first time or had never ridden before and I was so sore afterwards um yeah I could barely sit down on the toilet um but I was truly just using my glutes so like asking for a canter is not that whole left leg it's just that left glute. You need to be able to do those fine little movements quick. It can't be like we're doing like a little scissor and asking for that change between first and second. You should be able to ask for that that change with your one glute coming over and pushing them over. And people might be like, hey, like, no, like I need more. I need more of a cue. But you don't. If you think that a horse feels a mosquito and uses its shaker muscle to get rid of that, like they're so sensitive. So um, yeah, so glute strength, super important, being able to move them, super important independently. And another exercise you could try just on your, just when you're walking or cooling out or whatever, don't use any rain. Instead of using a leg, a leg aid to push your horse over, let's say you're doing some lateral movement, just try and squeeze your glute to push them over and see if they respond like give yourself a little bit of time. It might not be on the first one, but then squeeze your left one. How do they move off of that? Because though the, the smaller we can make our movements, honestly, the, the, the sorry, the smaller we can make our movements, the less we're going to interfere with our horse, making them be able to do their job because truly they're taking, making sure that we're symmetrical. And if any time that we're not, again, they're compensating for us and making them slower. Okay, number five is core strength, core stability, um, our core driver, and just that deep core innervation. So I feel like it has quite a bit in it in my little title for number five. But I truly feel like if we don't have this one down pat, everything just falls, just falls to pieces. So the core to me starts with this diaphragm. Okay, so our diaphragm is our muscled inspiration of breathing. So when we inhale, lungs expand, diaphragm moves down. When we exhale, lungs deflate, diaphragm comes up. So another nerd tip for you today, the nerve innervation that comes from our neck, C345, which means our spinal area, keeps us alive. So that's why it's so important that our neck is so important because it's our muscle for breathing, our nerve innervation for breathing. So we have that. Then at the bottom, we have our pelvic floor, okay? 
Then we have our abdominal cavity, which is where everything is. And then we have our core muscles, which we have four main muscles in here. Okay. So we have our rectus abdominis, which honestly, they look so sexy, but they don't really do anything. Then we have our TA, which is our spanx of our abs that really like keeps everything in and doesn't allow us to have like this little mummy tummy. And then we have our obliques. So then we have our internal obliques and our external obliques. So I can't really do that. Um, which again, not as important in my world, but for barrel racers, we need to be able to have mobility in those so we can have our turns. So one, we need to have all of those things kind of working together. I pose a question to you. At the end of your 15 second run, how out of breath are you? You shouldn't be out of breath at all because your muscles well, need your oxygen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it used to be really bad for me, but I'm okay now because I'm not barrel racing anymore. Oh, it's so bad. But you're right. Continue. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay, so your 15 second run, how out of breath are you? And I would say 98% of us are so out of breath. We should be able to hold our breath for 20 seconds easy, right? So the majority of us are not breathing during that run. So one, our muscles need to have oxygen in order to optimally function. Two, you need to be able to use your core in order to stay upright or else you're like that hula dancer on the top of your like, car that's just like wibbly wobbling around and we can't have that we need core stability again to help our horse run their their optimum so this exercise i'm going to teach you also is so good if you have a horse um anything like mine that's kind of a spaz in the back um i don't know if anyone saw but at cbhi my horse totally decided to climb the fence at the back and get her feet in it and you know what? I just breathed. Time stood still for a little second. And I was like, this is kind of a high fence, but I'm just going to hang out here. And then did my diaphragm, two diaphragm breaths, came back down and then we went. <laughs> so optimal time to do your diaphragm breathing and not freak out because freaking out in that situation is not going to help anyone. I like my neck muscle, my neck. So anyways, <laughs> so diaphragm breathing, so important. So one hand on your chest and I truly mean on your chest. Okay. One hand on your stomach, right on your abdomen, on your belly button. So inhale, belly rises. And I want like the biggest Buddha belly ever, okay? So inhale, belly rises. Exhale, belly falls. Inhale, belly rises. Exhale, belly falls. This chest should not be moving at all. So quite often what happens is we go and we try to lift up and then down and then up and then down. But when we do that, we're only using the apices, meaning the top parts of our lungs and not our lower lungs. And we need to be able to move this diaphragm so that our pelvic floor is also moving, giving us core stability. And when our pelvic floor moves, also means that our TA moves, which is, again, the spanx of the abdominals. It's our core driver where we get all of our stability from. So if you're able to diaphragmatically breathe appropriately, one, your core is going to work better. You're going to have a stronger core. Two, you can calm your horse down when you're in the back alley. Three, you're not going to be out of breath at the end of your run. So when someone goes, yeah, one, so you can smile at the end of your run and not look like you're terrified or anything of that, because why do we barrel race? We barrel race for the fun of it. And I, I, that's how I feel, not, not 
some people do it to win, which is always nice, <laughs> but really we're doing it for the fun of it. So if all of that can make all of these five things can make our run that much more fun and more enjoyable. I mean, to me, that means we're going to be doing it for that many more years to enjoy this sport. So just to sum it up, number one, neutral pelvis forward and back. Okay. P low on the tree, P high on the tree. Number two, neutral pelvis side to side, fingertips under the ribs, top of the model hip bone. Are they equal? Okay. Number three um, was our opener or thoracic rotation. Okay. Number four was sitting on our glutes, squeeze both of them or one of them at a time. And number five, our diaphragm breath. Inhale, belly rises, exhale, belly falls. Um, and again, you can do all of these at Save On when you're going grocery shopping. Um, oh, sorry, totally forgot, but super important. When you get off, off the white throne, up off the toilet, please look at how your feet are and how you're getting up off that toilet. Is one foot always back and the other foot, like one foot always, the right foot always back and the left one front? If you're doing that, it's probably meaning you're using your right glute more. So you want your feet to be totally equal when you come up. So we're using our glutes equal. That was a huge revelation for me um, when I was like, oh, I'm not using my one glute. Look at, you can see it when I get up off the toilet. And again, the more that we can practice these things outside of the saddle, the faster and you're going to run. And honestly, you can do it for your horse because they're going to thank you for being more symmetrical. So those are my top five ways to take um, time off the clock, Kathy. I think this was so awesome. This might be one of my most favorite podcasts because doing that, I think everybody can benefit from that a hundred percent and it will make a difference in their run. So I really hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you either find the video on YouTube um, and my other social media channels so that you can watch Kira and I doing this together because I was trying. <laughs> it was pretty funny to watch me, but Kira was doing it so perfectly. And so you can see everything that she's talking about. I'm sure you can use your imagination, but it's best to just watch it. That's why we're doing video podcasts now because they're, they're just cool this way. It's really cool and interactive. Um, that's awesome. I love that we did this. No, so good. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, as you can tell, I'm super passionate about my job. And I, I know this is geared towards barrel racers, but truly, this goes for every single discipline. Um, the more symmetrical we are, the better we're going to be for our horses and the better we're competitors we're going to be or even weekend warriors or whatever we're doing, they're going to be happier for us. 100%. Where can people find more information about Equus Physio and yourself? Um, so obviously on our website, which is equsphysio.com. Um, we're also super active on Instagram and our handle is Equus Physio. And then you can also find us on Facebook as well. And or stop in at our clinic in Cochrane. We'd be more than happy to um, say hello to you here. And truly, if you're you're up north somewhere or you're somewhere else and you need help or your barn needs help, um, again, we're doing riding clinics um, for all of the summer. Um, yeah, so we can always travel out to your place and help you help you out on your actual pony yourself. That is awesome. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.